Hello, this is Stephen Strange. You are meddling in things that you do not understand. You need to cease and desist now. And you need to know. Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey, and unfortunately Jude couldn't make it this week, but nevertheless, I'm excited because today we get to welcome a first-time guest whose creativity weaves together informational, recreational, and inspirational entertainment. Whether they're delving into anime fandoms on TikTok or raising money for charity on Twitch, we're delighted to welcome the hype queen herself, Yebba Deba. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Also, that was the best introduction, and I'm blushing. So, oh, fantastic. Don't mind me. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> Look, I've heard that compliment a lot, so it makes me happy every time. So thank you for uh, for saying that. Absolutely. You know, I got to say, this isn't the easiest thing in the world to do, but the fact that you have secured the same username across all social media platforms has made this part of the job so much easier. So thank you for that as well. Oh, you're very welcome. And let me, oh my gosh, it, it was just one of those, like, I had to muscle my way through. Oh. I had to get past some people that were like, yebba deba do. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yebba deba don't. That's fine. <laughs> so it was just, it was very, it, you know, the, the Instagram was the longest one, but we finally secured it and I got that URL so it was just like bam 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 wow stars all aligned oh I'm so glad that that has finally happened uh what an impressive list of just creative content you're putting out there uh I do want to start with Twitch because that is where we got connected uh why this is happening um 40,000 raised for charity that that's fantastic I I was wondering if you could let our listeners know what they can expect whenever they tune into a yebba deba stream well, um, prepare your face palms because there's usually a lot of puns, um, both from me and then also from chat. Um, and well, we we tend to have I would say probably the most consistent thing that we have is that we have very real talks. So, you know, I have some people who come in being like, hey, I don't understand this or, you know, I'm not sure what's happening or like especially, you know, during these past two years with the pandemic and with the election and with my history in election stuff. Um, there, there were, there was a lot of uncertainty. And so, um, if there's anything that I can extend, uh, as a welcome mat, it is a welcoming space for a lot of different vibes. But the one that we will always try to leave you with is cozy and comforted. So we play a lot of different games, but the thing that's kind of consistent is that we have a lot of really important talks, but we also make sure that we check in with each other and tend to have a really good time. I would say that's probably the most consistent thing. And we also kick butt for charity. Uh, and if you are there for any of my scary streams, please have me on like 30% volume. <laughs> so <laughs> it, can, it can get bad. Also very creative swearing, which I will do my absolute best not to do here. I got to say, so it's so funny you say that because coming also from the streaming space as well, I too cursed a lot. But once we started doing this <laughs> podcast, when I, was, when I was doing it with Jude... I've pulled back some, so I'm right yeah. there with you. I know how it feels to have to tame that in. And you're, again, if if all that other stuff is not an incentive enough, please go listen to some of the creative swearing because you have taught me <laughs> new words that I never thought to ever put dingle together. Dinglehopper? <laughs> Son of a dinglehopper. That's the big one. Uh, the holy poop nuggets. Um, there were a couple other ones where I was like on the front page and I was just like, 
shiitake shiz what it, it was just like what what can i say what what happens here i did have to do a swear jar like on the front page one time they were just like you're you're, you're it's like we're not saying that you can't do that but i am saying that we need an incentive for you to keep doing it so like five dollars every time you're on the front page and you swear and i was like cool yeah oh. i can do that and now we have a swear jar on my channel too so if people activate it oh that's it, fantastic it, it hurts the bank, but it's for a good cause. It's fine. <laughs> well, switching gears a little bit, you also make videos for TikTok, which I think is a relatively new addition to your creative avenues. What can people expect there? Because I know you talk a lot about anime, which is what made me really think like, oh, Yebo would be perfect for this podcast. Yeah, I started an anime watch list. It was about a year ago, actually, like last month. Uh, it was just like, I want people to curate my anime experiences. I've watched One Piece for years and I, I grew up with Toonami. I did the whole kitten caboodle. I've kept up with some shows, but I've never, I haven't really watched anything like honestly past the year, like maybe 2008. So like, I've always gone to the same well and I've always gone to my comfort shows and I've always had a good time. Big Gundam fan, you know, big robot robots go boom. It was one of those, like, I liked the anime community that was on TikTok. And so I wanted to create something that wasn't just a toxic hot take, like, let's compare power scale blah, type of a place. And I, I just wanted to create something that was silly and ridiculous because I'm silly and ridiculous, but also to explore new anime. And I would say probably from 2010 till now, I have watched a huge slew of new genres of new studios, new types of things. And like, I I'm just, I'm completely blown away. And I'm really, I'm honored that people, um, especially 13,000 of them <laughs> have enjoyed my uh, journey so far. Um, but it's all, it's a lot of silly fandom videos. I have, you know, it, again, it, it's really anything nerdy um, that kind of pops into my head when it comes to stuff of books, movies, television shows, anime, a lot of anime more anime some some manga <laughs> so um yeah so that's that's really what it is yeah i'm just i'm just a goon <laughs> i'm just a goon over there so and it, it's it's fun it's light it's it's not supposed to be taken very seriously i'm not you know I'm, I'm not here to tell everybody that they should do something i'm just here like hey i had a good time with it and i hope you do too that's what i'm here for yeah and you know based off what you said about your tiktok and about your twitch creating that space for people to get excited you're going to fit right in. I'm so excited that you have yeah. decided to join us on this podcast. And of course, if you want to follow more of Yeba's work, make sure you're following her at Yeba Deba on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitch. You can find all these links in the show notes as well. Yay! So, of course, we are going to be talking about Moon Knight, but something we like to do every time we have a new guest on is to get a bit of a taste of where they started with the MCU. So, what's your connection to the MCU? Yeah, so I've always sort of been a fan of Marvel. Um, I'm actually a big X-Men fan. Oh. Um, so X-Men Evolutions, the 90s X-Men show, X-Men Comics, um, Kitty Pride, Shadowcat is my freaking Patronus. Um, I adore her and I adore everything about her. Just I latched onto that character and was like, I need to know everything about everything when it comes to her universe. Um, so I had known about certain characters, but I would say that I got introduced to the MCU probably through the movie Thor. Mm -hmm. um, I am notorious for not, up until probably the MCU and Lord of the Rings, 
Uh, I'm notorious for not seeing movies on time <laughs> ever. <laughs> so like, uh, like I always, I always talk about how I finished X files in like 2013. Um, like I can, I can be very behind on literally everything all of the time, uh, except for one piece. So, well, if it makes you feel any better, I still haven't seen X files. So <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, listen here, if you ever need to get into Mulder and Scully, you just let me know. I can give you some highlights. Okay. Fantastic. Um, Yes, the um, so I would say on a whim, I went with a friend to go see the movie Thor in theaters and I was all in. I was all in, obviously, also because of Tom Hiddleston. But yes, <laughs> it was it was just one of those like I loved the portrayal. Like I, I had sort of known about the Asgardians, but like I, I didn't know that big. I had I just I had no idea something could be such a visual feast when it came to that. And so I was like, OK. Well, if we're going to go jettisoned off of the fantasy of Lord of the Rings into the fantasy of other armored things with heavy things that go, ouch, uh, I'm definitely going to watch that. Definitely going to watch that. So I still stand by the Avengers. The OG Avengers is my favorite movie. So I know even above all the other ones. Wow. But it's it's still it's the well that I go back to. It's it's the it's the comfort. It's the it's the culmination of all the characters that I started to learn. And I, th I still think it's to this day, probably my favorite movie. So. I mean, it is the moment, right? It is the, mm. the proof of the promise from the first phase of the MCU. So it's like, yeah, I could totally see how that would be up there as one of your favorites. Yeah. Times were simpler then. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> well, with the Avengers being the culmination of a lot of the early heroes, what hero sticks out to you the most in the MCU? Oh, boy. I grew to like Scarlet Witch mm -hmm. more with WandaVision. Yeah. There there was a time where she was introduced. I, I read about her. I, I, I knew about WandaVision and Quicksilver because I knew about Magneto. So like I, I knew all about that. And I was super hyped for her to come on. And I was just like, what is this when it <laughs> happened? I was yeah. like, what is this? Like she's supposed to be an all powerful, literal human being. So I was I, I, I don't want to say I was disappointed because I still liked her story. And I still liked that little segment with Vision. But it wasn't until WandaVision where I was like, Yes, ma'am. Reporting for duty. I am here. Um, so I, I would say that she was the most surprising one that I, I started latching on to when it came to all of that. I'm also I'm also just a really big Black Widow fan. Oh, because I I mean, besides it just being Scarlett Johansson, I like this. I like the story of a redeeming character, um, especially a redeeming character who has so much subtext. And so much secrecy and just and just creates so many walls. And then those walls just keep getting pushed down with all of the love that's around them. But also because of their own confidence and their own acceptance of their mistakes and kind of growing from that. So I, I just I really liked I really liked that character. And I also I it's it's so funny that I'm going from like an all powerful be being to like just a badass in a cat suit. But like. It's just I, I they're they're two very strong women in many different facets that I think I, I latched on to. And, and really, it was very encouraging to see kind of on the screen. I'm sad that we still had to wait until however long to get her movie. But I was happy when we finally got it. So and then we got Yelena. So, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Who's the best? So hopefully hopefully we'll get to see more. It won't be the same without Scarlett Johansson, but hopefully we'll see more Black Widow stories with Yelena. I hope so, too. 
I mean, she's got to be one of the new faces of the MCU. Oh, yeah. She's great. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for enlightening us with that. That's a very exciting intro to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But of course, if you download this episode, you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 2 of Moon Knight called Summon the Suit. So the way we're going to handle this is we're going to start off with some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a chance for us to talk about the episode without really getting into the details. And that will be followed by an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, Yabba, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for Episode 2 of Moon Knight? It's moving at a pace in terms of introducing people and introducing plot points very quickly, but in such an informative and immersive way that it doesn't feel like I'm just being thrown something. And I'm like, wait, what? I have to back up. I I didn't follow that because that happens to me a lot in anime. (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, we got to see some new characters and we got to delve even further into characters that we already know. And I, I was just, I, I, I loved it. And I, I really, I really can't wait to see more, especially when it comes to a couple of those characters. So, yeah, I, and I think you're, you're spot on with the way they are delivering the information. It was on my rewatch today in preparation for this episode that it really hit me. This is the first Disney plus series. I know we're two episodes in, but this is the first Disney plus series. I have not thought about the runtime at all. I've just been like, Oh, yeah, on board from the start to the end. And it's even in a way where it's like, it doesn't end where I'm like, oh, that's it. I want more. It's just well paced. Oh, yeah. And the final pre-spoiler thought I think I'll throw out there is that for as much flack as the MCU gets for undercutting moments with comedy, I think this show has found an impressive balancing act between humor and seriousness. And I, I really like, I, I listened to the first episode and I really like that both um, you and Jude kind of pointed out that it portrays DID in in a way that doesn't feel too jarring. Yes. But also doesn't feel super over exaggerated, but feels very empathetic. Yes. And uh in terms of of that. And I and I feel like it went into that a little bit more in this episode. And you got to see that the em- that empathy also from other characters, which I thought was like, like, yes, like, yes, like people are addressing it. It's not just this like only the audience knows type of a thing, which which I get really annoyed with when I don't know how many books you read, but like unreliable narrator books when it comes to like, you're the only person that knows, but you don't actually know because that's the whole plot twisty <laughs> thing of this book. And I'm glad that it's 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 not just something shoved under the rug or and it's not just used as a plot point to be like, wow, this is going to be, you know, shocking, shock value and blah. and it, it's not it's not that at all, which I, I greatly appreciate. And they they really went into that in the second episode a lot more. Yeah. Empathy, I think, is a great way to spotlight how they're treating DID so far. Yep. Well, I think that's a good place to leave the pre-spoiler thought. So let's go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone. Like you said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So the way we're going to do this is break this down into the most important topics of the episode, which is a way for us to cover it without having to go necessarily scene by scene. So starting with the first one, this one's called Explaining Mark. 
we see really three instances of Stephen having to contend with this other personality. We see him explaining Mark to the world around him. We see Mark and Stephen literally having a conversation between each other. And then we see Stephen explaining the situation to Layla. So, Yeba, again, starting with you, where do you want to start within this section? I think one of the most pivotal points, especially when it came to like finally understanding that there's another person with Mark was during the, what's that called? The security camera yes. um, review with JB, who is a lovely character. I hope we can see more of him again. The Otter videos, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. <laughs> um, I liked that that was the first, uh, for us even, representation of seeing him, seeing Stephen and Mark as a separate person. The one thing that I caught on to during the second, my second watch through, uh, which I learned from you guys um, <laughs> to do. So during my second walk, my watch through of both one and two, I find that the cinematography choices are interesting. So the one thing that I noticed is in the beginning of the first episode, we see Arthur putting the glass in his sandals and then walking. And then as we're being introduced to Steven and he's, as he's in the bed, one of the first shots that you see after he takes off the covers is you see the bottom of his feet. So then you as the watcher are like, oh, they're not the same person because his feet aren't injured. So you're like, okay, those are two separate characters with it so far. And then as he's going through his whole routine and then, you know, checking the sand, doing the whole thing, um, he shuffles and scuffs a lot. Like his feet always touch the floor and he, he shuffles and he kind of goes in the balls of his feet and kind of does everything. Um, and then he sort of, he has like an interesting gait. And when he walks, he's always rushing. He's always kind of bent over. And then Oscar Isaac's body language in this, as he's portraying both characters, is fantastic. Um, because when we see Mark for the first time, as he's coming into scene in that security footage, he has swagger. He has sure footing. He is stable. And like, and that's the first thing that you see. And he's looking at the camera because he knows, because he's Mark, that Steven's going to be reviewing that camera, that camera footage. He just knows. He just knows that that's going to happen. Of course, he's going to do that. So, like, the to go from a character who mumbles to a to um, a very talented street performer, and you know, runs through all one of their thoughts with absolutely no feedback from anybody else, <laughs> and then goes into a very self assured, like, just character. Like, the I, I find that it's so. I find that they that they chose feet and to be like the point of stability for people in terms of determining like, oh, this is going to be my impression of this character. And I, I noticed that a lot in my second one of just like where the camera was facing. So that was that was really cool. I loved I, I loved the introduction of Mark in that moment more than when they talked in the mirror. So I got to say, I love the connection you've you've given with the way they the stability of their gait and their, their, their the, the way they hold themselves because Oscar Isaac has created two distinct personalities. Like, Completely. Like last week I called uh, Steven sheepishly confident. Like because he's still part of Mark a little bit, you've got that quick wit, you've got that assuredness, but it's not, it's not as bold. Yes. When Mark steps in to the scene where Steven's discussing with Layla, when Mark steps into the aquarium you know it's Mark. You just, you oh, can feel it. 100%. And like, and even, even like just the way um, when, when he's Steven, the way his body remembers to do things, 
to like duck on the wall if like something he knows is there. That like the Steven that we're meeting wouldn't necessarily know to do that, but that's definitely just his body's like his body's memory being like, oh, danger, let's move. Um, so I, it's you're you're sort of seeing how how they intermingle in the same body, but when one is in control versus the other, they are very different. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, and sticking on this topic of Steven and Mark, I think I'm in love with this episode structurally because, again, this is where we get to see more of them defining each other through conversation. And the fact that we start with Steven having to look at himself in that security camera, we go to the next scene, he's giving up his name tag that stays, says Steven. Mm -hmm. All last episode and this episode, he identifies himself as I'm the gift shopist. And so now that that's gone, he really is forced to examine, okay, who am I? And I'm always a sucker for this. I know it's not the the most, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, but the fact that they have to go to a storage locker to literally unlock the secrets of what they're holding. Yes. Oh, they're just playing with so much with the cinematography and just visually telling the story between Steven and Mark. And so I, I really enjoy that. And before before we get too much further into their intermingling, I do want to take a moment to spotlight Steven. I, his wholesomeness is just I I think I've seen this online. Like we must protect Steven at all costs. At all costs. <laughs> and and I, the person that I was getting like frustrated with, um, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I can have some short patience or something. It's almost like when I play salty games or something in platformers <laughs> that I can just be a little range monster. Definitely not a personality trait. Um, and uh, so I, I was getting frustrated, but I found myself getting frustrated with Mark and not with Steven because like Mark is so reserved and he wants to compartmentalize so much and not have Steven be a part of anything that he's not helpful. And it's like, he, he just keeps saying, let me take over. Well, why would you take over? Like, clearly, if you're not getting through to him just by yelling at him, why don't you try to explain why it's better for you to do stuff? And he sort of gets that way towards the the later half of the episode, being like, I'm the one who can control, control the suit. I'm the one who can do this. I can protect you. I can protect Layla. I can protect, like, he starts explaining it. But at the scene, at the start, when uh, when Layla's, like, first over, and, and he just keeps saying, like, stop. Stop. Don't talk. Stop. Why? Why, honey? Like, like, it's like, it's like clearly, clearly Steven's confused and you know, he's confused because you know, he doesn't know all the information that you know. So how about you throw this kid a bone? Like, just do something a little differently. So I, so I, I got frustrated with him um, at that point, but I didn't get frustrated with Steven, who I was expecting to get frustrated with. And I didn't. So <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that's so endearing, I think, is. In the beginning, like he is willing to turn himself in. He's like, all right, let's look at this footage. He's like, I, I think I may have some information on what's going on. And yet he's still kind of excited. He's like, all right, get a load of this. This is going to blow your mind or whatever. Like he's he's adorable <laughs> for as as much as Mark is the stoic, like capable person. Steven is almost the complete opposite. And, you know, I, I didn't really have articulated thoughts on what you were talking about with the frustration of Mark. But I think it is a nice thing to point out because I'm still working through this. And again, like we said last week, we're trying to treat DID with respect. Uh, yes. So this is something that I, I don't know 100%, but it feels like at least within the show, Mark or Steven is a lot of either Mark's insecurities or things that he regrets. 
So we see in the conversation with Steven and Layla, they have a lot in common. And they're like, I think there was a favorite poet that Layla and Steven were discussing. He's like, oh, that's my favorite poet. And she was like, no, that's mine. So it feels like Steven may internalize a lot of that for Mark. So it makes sense in the beginning when he's like, I don't trust you. You can't do this. You're not capable of this. It is, it is, it is him not having that self-compassion for himself Almost again, what I love about superhero shows it it brings the extreme to almost a literal sense, and you're getting to see that conversation here in in the moment. I I really liked. I don't want to I don't want to jump topics too much, but the whole reason why we know Layla is because of Mark, and I loved Layla's reaction to kind of build off of like they they clearly have a different connection because it sounded like Layla was very firm. With Mark because she had to be, and then with Stephen when she's when she's like 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 summon the suit like like just asking him and asking him and you know that she doesn't believe him and you know that she's having trouble with like all of this and then when she sees just the pure frustration and just horror on Stephen's face of being like I don't know how to do this and I don't want to do this she immediately empathizes and is just like okay we'll figure out a different way out of this and like again that that that's just that nice. Um, it's that acknowledgement that there is a struggle and instead of just meeting it and to butt heads and to call someone stupid or, you know, to degrade them or to do anything else, it's just like, you know what? This is a problem. This isn't going to solve the problem. We're going to find a different solution. So like, like I, I, that, that's when I also fell in love with the character Layla in general, um, just in terms of like, it's, it's, it's almost like to build off of your point, it's almost like the chances that she didn't have with Mark that she now wants to do with Steven in order to to kind of to to explore those types of feelings, but to also um, just to just to reaffirm like, OK, well, if we're going to be partners in this, because she emphasized that a few times, if we're actually going to be partners in this, I'm going to meet you halfway, too, because you need me to right now. You know, I want to build off that as well, because uh, you we jump to that scene where. They are in the the I think it's a warehouse and they're trying to outrun that jackal and she's imploring him to summon the suit. You detail the empathy. I didn't think about it until just now, but I think I love the fact that nobody can see the jackals but Mark at this point, because if superhero like we did the episode on villains and the thing that I think makes good villains is is whenever they make the antagonist the embodiment of what the protagonist is dealing with. And so Mm -hmm. at least within this moment, that jackal is an invisible thing to Layla, but it is a real thing to Steven. And so even though she can't see it, she recognizes the danger. I think that one shows the empathy on her character, but it makes me love the externalization of the problem that Steven and Mark are dealing with. Yes. Yeah. And, And the fact that she picks up a bottle and the fact that she's like, Okay, well, if his hand's there, that probably means that the body's over here. So, like, like she she's deducing information. She's trying to help out, and she's trying to recognize a problem that even if she can't see all the information. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a fantastic point. Fantastic point. Ah, oh, they're so good with subtext <laughs> in this show. They're so good with it. And, like, and it's so funny that, like, the more you talk about it or the more times you watch it or the more times you do anything, it's just you keep pulling all these little pieces out. So, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Love it. Yeah. Well, well. speaking of the way they, they visually depict stuff, let's circle back to the, the first time we really see Layla. As much work as they've done to educate us with characters and mirrors, 
I Mm -hmm. love that that first conversation Layla has with Steven where she's like, all right, cut the crap. You know, we're out from the person who was chasing you. You don't need to be this character anymore. And yet Steven is talking to her through the mirror. Like at this point, that is the only connection they have. And so to get from there to where she's happening where she's helping him with the invisible force at the end. What a great character arc within just this episode. Yeah. And again, and it didn't feel rushed and it didn't feel like, like, you know, they, they jumped to a conclusion because she needed to be there. Like it just, it just felt like a natural progression as they started, as she started to learn that, okay, this isn't Mark. This is Mark, but it's not Mark. So, um, and, and you sort of saw her, you saw you, and you definitely saw her, even though she didn't have nearly as much time on screen, you saw her also struggle with it. So it, it wasn't, um, nothing is empty. N- nothing is empty in terms of character reactions or, um, or the actions that they do, um, or even, even just the lines. Like, they're, like they're, there's nothing, well, in the MCU in general, there's really nothing that's like a throwaway line because a lot of times they just go back to it <laughs> <laughs> of just being like, hey, remember when I said that in like three movies ago? Like, ha there you go. But yeah, I, I really like the character Layla. Um, Ethan Hawke, again, just secured for me that if he's not up for an Emmy, I'm going to be disappointed. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think Ethan Hawke has definitely secured the creepy kindness <laughs> within mm-hmm. this episode. Well, well, he he is, to me, the the embodiment of what is the scariest part of humanity. And that is somebody who is willing to go to any lengths through any means to meet what they perceive to be their utopia. And that's terrifying. Like it, do- it doesn't have to have religious zeal attached to it. It doesn't have to be a cult. It, it obviously both of these are, <laughs> but it doesn't have to have those things. But just that mentality of, I will do anything to reach the end and screw everybody <laughs> in my way uh that's terrifying Very. that's 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 the ultimate evil because there there is no sympathy there is no empathy and uh and i actually disagreed with with the like you know he was having he, he like he had relief i don't think he had relief at all when he finally made those choices i think i think to him it was just like yes i am on the right path like for him it's reaffirming for him it's not reaffirming for for like everyone else he doesn't care about anyone else he cares that everyone else is believing what he believes. That's it. So are you talking about last week whenever he used the scales to judge those two people? Because uh, mm-hmm. I had mentioned that it, you could see the relief on his face, but you think there's something a little bit more. It's 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 relief that he is doing what's right. It's not it's not relief of like he did punish or he didn't punish. It's him reaffirming that the path that he chose is the right path, because uh, obviously when when it when a lot of these things um, come out. I shouldn't say obviously. Not, not everybody is super into to ridiculous true crime and tyrannical dictatorships and reading all those books like I do because y- you're not weird like me. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I have a background in politics, and one of my big things that I read are uh, historical instances of tyranny and deviance. And um, you know, I've read a lot about serial killers. I've read a lot about cult fanatics. I've read a lot about all of this stuff. That's why I had a podcast at one point talking about this. Um, and files, so, right? Yes, Herlock files. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we may come back. We'll see. I need to stop being busy. That's really what it, what it comes <laughs> down to. So, but the, the big thing is something that goes hand in hand with this, especially when you start gaining power and especially 
when you start a certain path and you have a certain zeal is that you have a certain level of paranoia. And that paranoia turns into distrust of the people around you or it turns into distrust of yourself. So we already learned that Arthur was at one point partnered uh, with Khonshu. Like he, he was the avatar of Khonshu. That's what we learned. He strayed from that path because he found a firmer path. And he was just like, I'm not going to wait until something bad happens. I'm going to preempt it. I'm going to minority report this. I don't I don't want to wait. I want I want to I want to nip it in the bud and I want to create my utopia. So because he's been exposed to both sides, he needs to reaffirm that he chose the right side. So he needs to know that every action that he does, not only do they believe, but he believes that he's on the right choice because it starts feeding into that paranoia that. I don't know, or any any self-doubt in any of this, he's going to die. So he can't. He can't he can't have doubt from other people and he can't have doubt in himself. So he he just needs to charge all the way forward, all collateral damage in his way. It definitely makes a lot of sense why he would switch to a belief that is preemptive and not as reactionary as Khonshu, which speaking of, we do have that scene here where after Mark and Steven interact we have Khonshu chasing Steven through the warehouse. What was your interpretation of Mark detailing what he's doing for Khonshu, at least at this part of the, the episode? I wasn't sure who reached out to who. So when things are a mutual agreement, I tend to find them like that. That's something that's going to be mutually beneficial. So it was probably it, it was it was agreed upon on a common ground. If it's something at that point where like, he was born into it like it was going to be a birthright and he was forced into this path and he had no choice. I usually have problems with that because it's just like, no, rebel, <laughs> screw the man, screw the system. Don't don't be a conformist. So so at that point, I, I wasn't sure um, what what the type of agreement was, but it didn't sound like Mark. It didn't sound like his arm was twisted. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't sound like uh, he kept saying that he had like a duty that that he had a task to fulfill. So it sounded it sounded very finite in terms of what this agreement was going to be. So it wasn't like a selling your soul, whatever type of thing. Um, but it was interesting at the end yeah. of the episode yeah. after that. I definitely wanted to, to, to get our read of it here before we get into one of the final final bits of the episode. But, you know, you did amazing work talking about Arthur Harrow. So I think we can go ahead and move into the next most important topic, which is... Haro's hospitality. So mm -hmm. this is going to take us through the scenes where Stephen has been apprehended by the officers and he gets to have a face-to-face -face meeting with Arthur as he details all of his belief and utopia. So starting with me this time, you know, I, I've seen this comparison a lot on social media about how much the, the Amit believers are starting to feel like Hydra. Because we oh, saw yeah. the, you know, we're going to strike before even the crimes are committed. And that is 100% the belief that they have here. I want to go out one further. They're obviously playing within the ideology of those two factions. But the thing that I think is super impressive and can be felt in the scene where the officer comes to Steven's home or when he's like trying to reach out to the person outside of the car who was playing with a soccer ball, they have created as you said earlier, the paranoia of who can you trust and the way that it is depicted with the scales just being like 
shown when they move a hand. Oh man, there is so much fear going on in that first introduction with Haro. And even even in the museum. Yes. When it's somebody he literally has worked with and he just he just holds up his sleeve and he's like, "Oh wait, not you too." Like like it's it it's one of those um like and the the fact that it's a police officer is uh, the the two police officers is like a genre in itself of like, ooh, love that subtext. <laughs> but it's it shows that anybody can be influenced, which I think is a very important thing also when it comes to cult stuff. You know, it's not just the uneducated, it's not just the susceptible, it's not just the naive. It can be anybody. Anybody can be susceptible to being brought in by a certain message. And I think what we see, especially when he's walking through the community, you know, when he admires the tomatoes and they they start talking Mandarin and they they, um, you know, they go get the lentil soup and there's a there's a silent movie, not silent movie, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A screening? Yeah, yeah. like like a like a headphone screening. I don't I don't know what word I was trying to look for. Um, but um, I did silent parties in the library before where we all sync up playlists on the same thing and then we all like jam out to it, but not annoy other people. But <laughs> so, you know, the early or the late 2000s in <laughs> college, it was fine. Um, so like, I feel like we get a sense of the utopia that he's building, but just like with Thanos and just like with everybody else, even if you have a great idea, the means to which you get there can be very problematic. And you start to see Steven get really comfortable and be like, yeah, I'm vegan. I'm going to have this soup. This looks delicious. But then he starts to hear it and then he starts to question it. And then as he questions it. There's people closing in because once again, if you have a shun the non-believer, but also when you have someone who has the potential to convince someone to break ranks with these people, I don't see that happening. But when when you have the potential of that, you have to neutralize that threat. So um, Haro was looking to neutralize two threats. He was looking to neutralize someone who has the power of Khonshu, and he was also looking to neutralize someone who has the potential to maybe convince some other people in the room that, hey, maybe what he's saying is is kind of true. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, potentially just off some innocent person before they commit some type of crime in 30 years in the future. I love because he's like he turns to the crowd. It's like, it's a bit dodgy, right? Are you all for this killing children? Like, are you like I think about killing my boss all the time, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Like, right. He I, I, I love what the way you're framing it as him being the one to try to appeal for everybody else. And that's why he becomes an immediate threat for Haro. I, I, it's still, it's only two episodes. So I'm scared to make this bold of a claim, but I think Steven really might be one of the strongest characters emotionally that we've seen Mm -hmm. in the MCU, because I, I had to write this line down whenever it was written. Cause it, it, it hit me right in my heart whenever Arthur is trying to appeal to him at first to get to his side. He talks about like, okay, did Conchu choose you because you're a broken or would you would be easy to break? And Steven goes, I'm not broken. I just need some help. Maybe. Right. Oh man. What a beautiful line because like at every turn so far, everybody has put Steven down and he keeps like standing back up. So I love that this show is taking a character like this who should be a pushover. Cause I've gone to try and like describe Steven. And every time I go to one of the first words that comes to mind is pushover, but he's not, he's only he's not. got that 
appearance of being it, but he's got that strength to stand up to Haro. So I, I love the way that you had just outlined that there. And to build off that further, um, some of the most emotionally intelligent characters that we have are always gray. Yeah. So, and it's, 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 they're never black and white. They're never one way or the other because they have to stay in that gray zone because they have to see both sides. They have to empathize with both sides. Hey, Haro, I understand that you want to create this wonderful utopia and that sounds great, but maybe this isn't the best way to do that. Hey, Khonshu, I understand. Hey, Mark and Khonshu, I understand that you have to fight against this, but I also can't have you keep using me to hurt innocent people. Well, who are just hurt people in general, not even not even innocent or guilty, just hurt people in general. I don't I don't subscribe to that, especially when he's he's in between two sides of literally the same coin where you have Kanshu and Haro, where they have the same objective, but they also have the same faults where Kanshu does not care who he gets roped into his stuff as long as he has their body and has their power in order to complete his duty. And then Haro, on the other hand, does not care about anyone and will do exactly what he needs to do in order to make sure that his vision comes to life. So he's caught between perfect black and white, and he is this fantastic shade of gray that is saying, both of you are wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like both of you are, are just, th- this isn't, this isn't right. And, and he's not saying that he's right, but he knows what's not, he knows what's wrong. And, and he knows what he stands for and he knows what he believes in. So in terms of like being a pushover, he, he's not a pushover. He's just, he's, he's so understanding of where he wants to be that he knows where he doesn't want to be. So he he just knows that like this is this is not for me. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of your utopia, and I don't want to be the utopia smasher. So I I don't know what you want me to do, man. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be a part of any of it. I just want to be a gift shopist. <laughs> Again, more to that whole. I love that. That's how he identifies himself. Like he takes so much pride in that job, <laughs> even though that job keeps pushing him down as well. So, but he and he still, but he still tries. Yeah, and like he, you know and. And I feel like he knows uh, he keeps getting it reiterated, like even with the lady in the elevator in the first um, episode of just like, you know, that the people even in his building have probably been exposed to him. And like and you, you know, and you can hear in his voice that he knows how much of a disappointment he can be. And like the fact that you have awareness of that is emotionally intelligent is, is emotional intelligence. And it's it's it's. You're wrestling with empathy with yourself, even when people are not giving you that same empathy back. And it's a very exhausting <laughs> space to be in. Trust me, been there. Yeah. So it's I I I think I feel like they do a really good job. Um, I, I'm I'm curious for people who don't suffer from mental illness or don't have that as a constant daily battle or don't have any of those feelings. I wonder how they interpret him. Because, you know, I, I, I have depression and I was also recently diagnosed with ADHD. I'm sorry, I need to change that. I, <laughs> I was diagnosed with severe depression last year, um, which I didn't appreciate the severe, but it was, it's accurate. Oh. So um, it, it's one of those, like, I, I understand what I can handle. I understand what I can tolerate. I understand what are my limits and what are my boundaries, but I also understand what I need. It's, it's, it's a very difficult conversation with people who don't, either have to have that awareness or haven't gotten there yet. 
So I'm, I'm just curious what, um, how people interpret Steven, because I feel like a lot of people know where Mark is, but maybe don't know how to interpret Steven all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I'm glad you're on. <laughs> You've given me so many, <laughs> every time you start talking, there's so many different directions I want to follow. And I think the the place I want to start here, because you've you've wonderfully detailed how Steven is the gray between Mark and Arthur. And I know in my notes, one of the things I was writing down is I kind of put myself on the record here. I'm waiting for the moment where we see the reveal that Haro is seeing Amit like Mark is seeing Kanchu. And so we're mm. seeing these two ideologies. Because you can see moments where Arthur's talking to Steven and he just kind of like turns his head to the and side. Or he looks he looks behind him or, yeah. Yeah, so he's very familiar with that. And yes. so if, again, if antagonists are the embodiment of the thing that the protagonists are facing, the fact that Kanchu for Mark and Amit for Arthur are the influences to which they cannot create their boundaries. And mm-hmm. Steven is the one person who is creating their boundaries. Yes. Oh man, I'm loving this. This is such a great series so far. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's such a good, it's such a good way of putting it in terms of boundaries of, of, you know, just being that guiding light when, when you know that they, they are so tunnel vision, they, they are so focused on w- on where they need to go and how they need to do it that they're not they're not thinking about anything that they're passing. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 a really good point uh, or that's a really good term to put it as in terms of boundaries mm-hmm. that Stephen is 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 the boundary. Yeah. Um, so and even like even when Mark like freaks out when he finally like like takes control and he he just gets so frustrated with Stephen and it's just one of those like Stephen didn't do that with you. Mm-hmm. Stephen didn't do that with you and like and like I understand that like. Maybe you don't want to deal with it. Like, you know, in the last scene, he's like drunk and stuff. So like, obviously there's some, there's some addressing issues uh, that he probably has um, when it comes to facing things, or maybe he just, you know, needs a break from stuff and that's understandable. But it, but, but like, again, that's, this is where I'm getting frustrated with Mark and I'm not getting frustrated with Steven because Steven's articulating what is frustrating and what he's dissatisfied with and what he's upset by. And with Mark, you're, he's just a loose cannon. He, you, like, he just something's gonna flip that switch, and it's just like, well, now he's angry. Crap. So, yeah. So, sticking within this section, we're we're still in the moment where I keep tangenting on you. Oh no, you can, no. You can reel me back in anytime. <laughs> all right, as a tangent, like we go on tangents here all the time. Okay. <laughs> Jude, Jude once told me he's like, dude, it's it. Whenever we're in conversation, sometimes it feels like we're throwing the shield out and you're bringing it back in. And that was one of the nicest compliments he's ever given me as a big <laughs> Captain America fan. So, I, again, I encourage you, go on as many tangents as you want. And, and Fantastic. I'll keep us on the outline. But, no, I, I, I do want to, because, you again, you've, you've detailed the spectrum with which we're dealing here. How did you feel about the realization that Arthur once was in... I want to say cahoots, but partnership with Kanchu. And because of that, he is able to call the shots of, oh, is he saying this? Is he saying to mm-hmm. kill me? Oh, is he saying that he's real justice? And he doesn't have to hear that. Like, what what was your read on that moment? Oh, that he's very good at manipulating people. That that was the read that I got. So this is also, you know, my my skeptical, uh my, my skeptical nature um when it comes to these types of characters, but I, I definitely got the read of like, oh, he he knows how to read someone and then to get to the point that he knows is going to resonate. 
So for him, it's he's uh, Arthur's almost reassuring, like, hey, I've gone through this before. I'm I'm relatable when it comes to this type of interaction that you're having, um, which is very manipulative. But at the same time, it's a really cool window into Arthur to be like, oh, like like he had this power at one point. Huh. I wonder why he gave it up. And in so you're so that that starts kind of churning in your head of like, did he give it up or did Conchu say, you know, screw you. I don't need you anymore. I need a new vessel because as we learned, you know, he seems to be on the lookout for all that all the time. So um, what what is more enticing with Amit? It is. Is it because Amit promised him something or is it because Amit has more power and he's power hungry and he's greedy? Or did Amit appeal to, um, you know, he's partially there with Khonshu of like, I'm avenging the innocent and I am punishing the, uh, I, I'm punishing who needs to be punished. I, I am, I am justice. But he, he, since he said it so facetiously, like he said it in like a, oh, did he say like, I am justice? He, he clearly, he's not co-signed to Khonshu anymore. And he clearly got sick of Khonshu and then Amit was just way more attractive mm -hmm. well as a crocodile head lady so <laughs> yeah the the judgment of a weird crocodile lady yeah <laughs> his little quips are so funny oh steven is so quick-witted he is oh. he's he's courageous i'm gonna throw this out there I, i've detailed him as sheepishly confident i think by the end of it he'll just be full-on courageous again he 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 knows where he stands he just because he's unsure of where everybody else stands he sort of dances around Whatever it is, and then he finally gets there. So it's not that he's unsure of himself. He's unsure of other people. And that, that's why he's hesitant. He's not, he's not because he's unsure of himself. He gets a little shaky there when he's not quite sure what the heck's going on. But, um, you know, he, he's very, he knows, he knows what his morals are. He knows what his compass is, and he knows what he wants to do. He's just not sure who around him is either going to make fun of him or shun him or, um, you know, hurt him. Or be somebody who's just not going to support him. So that's that. That's where his hesitancy is. It's not really in himself. It's with everybody else. So you know, you mentioned earlier about the way Arthur is manipulative and the way he is able to appeal to insecurities. I love the work they're doing. Of Arthur is making Conchu seem like a petulant child, mm. uh, and they're doing toddler. Yeah, and they're doing great work with the the cinematography too because. I know there's on some level it's supposed to be not necessarily horror, but like intimidating that you, you the camera pans up and you see Khonshu sitting there just perched yep. watching them or he's in the distance. But the fact that he is limited to the sidelines, at least in this moment, because Arthur says like, oh, is that him? Is he here? Like, don't worry. That's the worst that he can do without your yes. help. Yep. And so they have undercut him. I think the... Because we still don't know enough about Kanchu yet, because I we'll get to it later in the outline. I still can't get a perfect read on what it is he wants or whether or not we can see him as not necessarily good, but at least not somebody who is taking the souls of people who are believing in him. Way to thin out your believers, by the way. Maybe don't do that all the time. I'm just saying. Just keep the numbers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that can't be a very successful strategy. <laughs> no. Why would you kill your most devout? What? Like... It Hello? 101. Like sometimes you if, if you need them for fodder, keep them for fodder. Don't don't <laughs> just arbitrarily make them mummies and put them in a weird storage room in the middle of London. Mm -hmm. It's super strange. 
Yeah, you know, speaking of thinning the herds, last week I, and I think you, you even mentioned at the top of the episode about how I was reading relief in his face. Any doubts I may have had where he was at, completely gone in this episode. He 100% oh, yeah. took that person's life without judgment. He's malicious. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, we've seen him use the balance a couple of times. There's a bit of a, what? minute animation that happens on his tattoo that was way too quick for the scales to balance on that yeah way 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 too quick and the fact that he even took time with steven which i'm sure was more to create chaos uh to affirm chaos in order to create chaos for steven Mm -hmm. um but the fact that somebody who would be a quite literal threat more to him and that, that that he didn't take advantage of that to try to do something was uh interesting and the fact that just because this person touched something that was important and that was important to his cause, he immediately zeroed in and being like, off with you. It, it was it's justified. It's justified in his brain. He's fine with it. So, yeah, malicious, malicious, malicious. So much for the utopia. Mm hmm. <laughs> this is when we go from the utopia right to the tyranny and the dictatorships. Bam. Every single time. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. It's almost like it's a pattern. (laughs) I was about to say, like clockwork. (laughs) Well, I think that'll do it for this most important topic. So we're going to go ahead and move into the next one, which is called Summon the Suit. This is going to take us... (laughs) this is going to take us through the scenes where Layla and Steven are trying to escape the utopia and Layla is imploring Steven to use the suit because Arthur has summoned a jackal Uh, Yeba starting with you this time what did you think of this pretty big action piece within the episode Uh, it was nice to have it confirmed to have a bit more visual of the bad thing in my personal opinion um, cause I, I liked, I like when things are sort of jaws, like where they're left to the imagination. But when, when I saw the actual Jackal thing, um, I was already starting to go into a comedy bit where I was just like, ah, the army of Anubis, I have to rewatch the mummy returns again. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of where, where, uh, my silly brain went. Um, I've seen your in- tweets. I know you don't need another reason to watch the mummy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like it's like a, it's like a monthly watch at this point. It's like whatever. Um, Anoxana Moon hit me, so it's fine. <laughs> and uh, but I I liked uh, I I alluded it to it earlier where Layla had a lot of empathy for Stephen during this point, and you could see Stephen sort of being like, "Oh, I've already been through this danger before." I already knew that the suit and Mark helped me before, but I think I'm going to help myself this time. And it turned into a fantastic comedy bit. And, and it was, it was quippy. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like Hawkeye level in terms of like comedy because Kate Bishop was the queen of comedy (laughs) through that entire series um, along with Yelena. So I found it to be a little relieving after a really heavy scene with Arthur but also set up some really fantastical action because it was cool to see that the jackal was actually invisible, uh, which we we sort of thought with the camera, but like maybe it just wasn't caught on electronics for whatever reason. I don't know. So it was nice to have that confirmation and just oh, like I, I'm still really curious about the powers. Like I want to see more. I, I want to see like we we sort we sort we sort of saw it when Mark redid the suit, but like. I want to I want to see more and I and it's kind of cool that it can be so manipulated um at the person's whims um to be useful 
almost. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was really cool. It's really representative of the driver and what they're asking for within the moment. And I remember going into the show whenever the marketing was showing like the different, they haven't shown too many, but they gave us a taste of two different versions of the costume. So we had Moon Knight, which is what we saw in episode one. Then we mm-hmm. have what I believe is referred to as Mr. Knight with this one in the suit with Steven. Adorable. I never would have guessed that that suit would not be because it's not its own not not that it's defined. I know these are all based off comics, but it was a whim of of him not knowing how to use the suit. Like I never would have guessed yes. that. And the lead up into the psycho Colonel Sanders, like it's just <laughs> my God. Like this show, it is so rich with the way it's using its premise that it's it's this is the balancing act that I was talking about in the preschooler mm-hmm. thoughts. Like it 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 can be serious, it can be action, and it can be comedy, and it is not missing a beat whatsoever. I mean, much like the Stephen with the float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. My name's yes. Stephen with a V. Like this yeah, show Stephen with the V. That was so adorable. Oh man, I think I think that's what I, I'm leaning with with Stephen here. Is he tried? You you know you were talking about. Mark not helping him. I think the fact that Steven was willing to try and step into the suit, even though he wasn't fully capable of doing it, is what earned some sympathy for, or not sympathy, but some beginning to understand him from Mark. Because after he punches the jackal and then he gets knocked out, Steven stands up and he talks to Mark in the reflection of the bus. Mark actually showed some sign of like- That was a punch. Yeah. He's like, that was pretty good. But if you don't want to hurt these people, let me take control from here. And that and 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 Mark's relating to what Stephen probably has the most concern for. He's not saying like, like, again, like I, I know this is this is just us graduating as like a society and like moving along into smart, sophisticated, good dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm so used to like like I'm not saying I'm not gonna say I'm used to crappy action movies, but like especially with us growing up where um most of like the banter between like buddy cop movies or like action movies was always just like insulting the person or or um you know pointing out their faults or like doing anything mark's appealing to something that steven would see be a reason as to why he should take over like it's it's logical um and also mark recognizes that he's earnest he's earnest in that i want to do something and I want to do it because I don't want it to do it your way because your way has made my body hurt a lot of people. And so like he's he's trying to thread that needle to be like, I need to keep you safe. I need to keep well you and me safe and I need to keep Layla safe. I'm sure Mark thinks about other people, but I don't think it's his topmost concern um, a lot of times. But he knows that he needs to do something different. And then he listens to Layla when Layla says, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, get, get him away from these other people. I feel, I feel like Mark does not have the same level, um, but he sees the reason behind making certain decisions for the greater good or for public safety or whichever. You know, I, I'm thinking about what you said earlier about how awareness is the sign of somebody's emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And... Pairing that with what I was detailing earlier about how it feels like Steven might be a fractured off version of Mark. 
if Steven is Mark's awareness, that I think is a good character growth on Mark that he's finally listening to that. Because I, yes. again, I don't think he would have taken care for those people until he saw how it was important. Um, and it culminating to Layla being the one to say like, all right, go get him. So good. To go back to when they first meet in the apartment, when Layla produces the divorce papers and he's, and Steven's shocked because I'm sure he's thinking, Layla, you're beautiful. You're smart. Like, I, I can already tell, like, if I'm actually married to you, I'm very lucky. I would never divorce you. <laughs> I would never divorce you. And you you sort of, I, like, they sort of look to Mark during some of those times. And he scoffs. And he's just like, <sighs> like, it's, it's, is it, it's not disappointment in Steven. It's disappointment in himself. And he, he knows that he doesn't want to put Layla in danger. And he keeps thinking that he's doing things. This is this is such the machismo male um, thing that just drives me insane. Um, is I'm going to push you away in order to protect you. Screw you. Screw you. I I am not a strong, independent woman that don't need no man. I am a woman who is choosing to be with you because I know we can be stronger together. Like, come on, dipstick. Like, get with it. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's just it's it's just one of those like whatever you're feeling in terms of. Like, I need to keep you safe. If you're not taking into account what the other person is saying, you're not keeping them safe. You're saying that you're a burden and you need to leave. So, and Steven sees that. And, and Steven sees that because for him, it's very much like, why would I ever get rid of you? And then he, and the only time Steven listens to Mark is when he says, you're putting her in danger. And that, that's when he realizes, oh, maybe I shouldn't act so rashly. Or maybe I shouldn't do that because I don't want to put Layla in danger. So they have the same motive and they say they have the same goal to keep Layla safe but it's the emotional intelligence of Steven that recognizes it's a partnership it's not a get the hell out of here mm-hmm. yeah. and she points that out too <laughs> so after that beginning fight scene with Steven we get a version of it with Mark Qu- real quickly what did you think of that set piece where we finally see Moon Knight in full control Ah. Uh... He's a conch. He's a conchu Batman, and I'm into it. <laughs> like it's just he, he's a, he's a he's Batman mummy. He's Bat mummy. <laughs> so like I I just he it's fantastic, and it's it's um it's a versatile suit. Like you can clearly see that. Um, it gives them safety and it gives them power. Um, and I'm sure there's some also like extra sensory something or other anything that's going on. But the fact that it's so manipulable. And I I would love to see if they change anything else, like if they go full Miss Marvel with it. But like, I, I want to see I, I want to see kind of where else those suit powers can go, but also how they choose to use those powers, especially Steven, um, if Khonshu actually wants to work with him. To me, it feels like in leading into this, that it feels like Marvel Studios really wants to create this side of the world that's not necessarily like Avengers world level, but it's mm-hmm. kind of street level. This felt like a scene out of Daredevil for me. Oh, like, hun- I, the second you said it, it's street level, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Daredevil. It's it's Luke Cage. It's Jessica Jones. Um, it's it's all those same things. I will not mention Iron Fist um, <laughs> so, uh, or the Defenders. No, thanks. Um, but oh yeah, no dare daredevil. And the fact that he, he had the batons kind of like the, the clubs also, it was just, it was, it was cool. It was, it was one of those, like, it was one of those moments where I, I can see a lot of potential and I know 
the writers will capitalize on some of it. And then I know they'll leave some of it for a future iteration of some sort. So I'll be curious what they finally expose us to through this one. Yeah. A lot of groundwork's being laid for sure. Yep. And I, I love that when things go a bit more supernatural, but aren't spacey. They're not, they're not Dr. Strange supernatural. They're literal pyramids in the ground level of supernatural. And I, I feel like that's a new level that we haven't fully experienced. And also with possession and borrowing powers, um, being granted powers, not like, you know, obviously like Cap got, what was he, a superhero in a bottle? And then you had the suit from Iron Man. Uh, and then you had the Hulk from Radiation. So like we, we've had different induced heroes, but it, it's curious to know that you have someone who can be, who, who's in a pact almost of like, I wonder where this could go. And, you, you know, we saw this with Eternals, with the Black Knight and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I've never really thought about it that way before, about it being something that's entrusted to somebody mm-hmm. rather than it being something that just happened to them. And that's why and that's why I, I was curious with the agreement with Khonshu, if it was a birthright thing or if it was like, a, hey, you're on. It sounded like it was, hey, you're on. You were on death's door. Let me give you. It's a deal with the devil, essentially. So, but you didn't have to go to the crossroads and you didn't have to play violin. So mm-hmm. you're good. So I, you know, that'll go ahead and move us into our last important topic, which is the Khonshu aggrievement. You know, you talked about the, the being on death's door. Uh, I want to shout out a community member, Fashion Jimmy in the discord who threw out that conversation between, uh, Steven and the little girl where she talks about like, Hey, what was it like to pass the field of reeds? I believe. Yeah. Pairing. What are you talking about? I didn't die. Yeah, I, I'm starting to subscribe to their belief that there might be something more to her than we are led to believe, because this will be the second time a rite of passage was mentioned, the first time with her, mm-hmm. and then the second time with Layla when they were talking about the hieroglyphics, and she read right. it. And then yeah. we get this information about Khonshu saving him from death. Yeah, there's definitely something going on here. Yeah, why would he be reading about funeral rites other than something else that was there? So, yeah, no, that's that's a really great point. That's a super great point. I wonder if subconsciously Steven's trying to save Mark from this agreement with Khonshu, even though he doesn't really understand what he's looking for at this point. And we know Khonshu doesn't like Mark because, I mean, he's referred to him as such things as parasite. Like, like Khonshu to me or is... Doesn't is like Steven? The, I'm sorry, that, that's what I meant. Doesn't like Steven because he calls him parasite and, and gets in the way um, of the agreement. So like, clearly we know that he's, he's very belittling, yeah. um, to Steven and he, and the way Khonshu acts is the way, um, I, I don't want again, I don't want to say I'm used to in action movies, but is a very prevalent trope when it comes to, um, you know, like the, the come around, like somebody has a face turn to use more wrestling terms. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, um, the, and so it's, it's very, um, it'll be very interesting where they take it if Khonshu, you know, ends up having some revelation or ends up having uh, being nicer to Mark or something. But the fact that he's holding Layla over his head makes me think that there there is something deeper. And I don't know if it's Khonshu or Mark's fault. So I'm 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 curious to see where that goes in terms of like. How nefarious was this deal or how advantageous was it? You know, who who was being exploited when it happened? Because it doesn't sound like Mark 
doesn't like the powers. It sounds like he does very much like the powers, but it, it then turns into at what cost. And obviously if the cost is Layla, he had some definitely some second thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm right there with you and trying to figure out like the details of this arrangement because I cannot get a read on Kanshu as far mm-hmm. as no, I, I've got to be careful here speaking in an absolute, but no good person, I think, holds somebody else against their wishes like that with threatening to to take up Layla. But then at the same time, he goes, you were worth protecting. And yes, there is that beneficial like, OK, you are my avatar. You are very capable of this. But there's but something why? about that that felt a little bit more like, no, I think he does somewhat care about Mark. So correct. I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. But I think the the biggest question I have that I, I'm going to pose to you, do you believe Mark when he tells Stephen, hey, when we're done, you'll never see me again? No. No? No. I. It's, it's one of those, um, it seems like Mark has learned to live, and I'm putting those in air quotes. Uh, Mark has learned to live with Stephen um, because for him, it's, laying down waking up it's it's you know suddenly being jostled out of whatever situation you're in uh but for steven steven has not learned to live with any of this you know he's just now being exposed to it and he's never going to be the same and i i don't think what caused this internal rift within them is something that was necessarily started with conchu i i so i i don't see how once they get rid of Khonshu, that that would suddenly disappear. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's and we still haven't learned who was before whom. We haven't learned if they've always been this way and they've always been split. We haven't learned the catalyst. We haven't learned the causation. So like until we have a little bit more more information, um, I don't think they're ever going to be separate. But I'm curious to see how co-living yeah. can happen, question mark. So, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but especially with the way Kanshu talks, I, I, don't, I don't think it's I, I don't think he's the catalyst. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a moment where Mark says something to the extent of, you know, we've, all, we've always been pretty good about keeping separate, but whatever wall we have between us, something changed. Correct. And Kanshu has been part of them for a while. So it's not I, I, you're spot on, I think, with that. And second, you know, I, I have been left questioning who came first. In this, was it Mark? Was it Steven? I want to say Mark because he obviously has the experience with Kanshu, but Steven seems to have a very well lived in life here in London. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I mean, Steven uh, points it out, you know, this, the tiny American living inside me. They have two distinct lives. So very I, so. I'm still waiting to figure out where we're at there. Yeah. And the fact that he's been, a, the fact that Mark has been a mercenary, I have to be very specific and not just say he, but the <laughs> fact that, the fact that Mark's been a mercenary, um, you know, that's, that's well-traveled. That means he's been with crews. That means he's had to work for various people. That means he has a history. How did he meet Layla? You know, can Layla glean any information out of that? Or, you know, is, is she still have holes? She knew about Steven or at least their mom. I guess she doesn't know about Steven's mom, but um, Steven keeps calling somebody, but never actually talks to them. So who that, what number is he calling? What, like, is that just a fallacy that he's created in his head? Like, is the mom non-existent and he just, that's something that he created or was she existent, but he doesn't remember something that happened. So like, it's, 
Um, I'm I'm definitely curious. I'm I'm definitely curious um, of you know the chicken and the egg story. Um, is you know is Mark the egg or was Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> or or were they both chickens? Because we actually don't know what came first, chicken or the egg. There could so. have been more. Immaculate exception. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is amazing. <laughs> I oh I shouldn't be out in public. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, you know what? Speaking of the public, let's go ahead and move into the listeners' first takes. Uh, so we did reach out on social media to see what you all thought of the episode. So we're going to take some time here to read through those. Uh, this first one comes in from Ben.Matty over on Instagram. And they say, quote, Sorry, WandaVision. This may turn out to be my favorite MCU TV show. Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke are amazing. The story has gripped me and all the cinematography is incredible. Bring in next week. I'm right there with you, Ben. I, I, I know we joked how we turned down the four episodes that were given to the press last week. I take it back. I want it. I want the. <laughs> I, I don't want to be part of the people. I want to watch Moon Knight. <laughs> can I? Can I sneak in as yeah. like a graphics art contributor and just be like, "Yes, I need a press badge too." Great. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get Fantastic. you. We'll get you covered. We'll get you in. I work in Canva. Does that count? So yeah. <laughs> um. Hashtag not an ad. Uh. So. If I could read the second one, because it's definitely my favorite comment. Yeah. Um, so, quote, Jason Bourne versus Egyptian Branch Davidians, question mark, with a hint of the one last job trope. And that was sent by TJ Build Stuff. I laughed so hard when I read this quote. I laughed so hard. It was just, oh, my gosh. It's a beautiful. Mwah. So it's a 10 out of 10 comment. Do it again. Yeah, and, and one of our breaks, you explained to me, because I didn't know what Branch Davidians was, so I'm so glad that you took the time to share that. They're a cult. It's Waco. Ah, gotcha. It's Waco. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Sorry. I just off the dome. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you uh, you had the, the murder podcast. Like, this information's got to go somewhere. And I'm not even the cult person. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the, that that was Zoe. I'm, I was the, I was the, well, I, I guess I did some of the cult stuff, but. I was the I was the gross stuff. I was like the cannibals and stuff. But anyway, cult adjacent. So cult adjacent. Yes. Uh, finally, this last one comes in from friend Daniel on Instagram, and it reads perfect balance of hilarious, dark and emotional. And 100 percent, Daniel, you and I share the same sentiments of this episode. It is it is two episodes in firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for reaching out with those listeners first takes. And of course, if you want to get in on that, make sure you're following us on social media. And as we said last week, we are doing something different this season where we are going to put out a number that you can call if you want to leave your audio thoughts as well. So real quickly, if you want to reach us, you can call us at 512-893-1355. So yeah. Well, yeah, but we're getting to the end here. I uh, just wanted to give you a chance to share any final thoughts you may have on this episode before we go. I think you and I both um, touched upon it, but I like that we saw more of Mark um, and that both he and Steven were able to interact. I also think the one thing that was underplayed by both of us is that we saw more of Khonshu. Yeah. Um, and we saw more of the entity itself and if Khonshu is able to to materialize like that and is a fallen, quote unquote, fallen god in comparison to the other ones, 
what the hell does Amit look like? Like it's it's one of those like are they bigger? Like are oh. they more mythical? Are do they appear do they appear differently? Can they not take that type of form? So do they have to possess people in order to be seen? So um it was it was something really cool. So I, I like that they're they they showed more of him and his connection to everything. Uh, and I really can't wait to see more of Mark because I feel like next episode is definitely going to be giving us more Mark than Steven. And uh, we'll see what's happening in Egypt. So. Yeah, man. I never even thought about like the size difference of what Amit could be to Konshu. So, oh, yeah, especially that's... especially if they're part of the nine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the nine. The se- yeah, he was make he was correcting that it was seven and it should be nine. Yes. The Ennead, I believe. Is yes. What, yeah. So I'll play off that one and then lead into mine. You know, I, I talked about it last week. It was a bit of a nitpick where I didn't like the voice of Khonshu. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. To me, it felt mixed in a lot better this episode than it did last episode. So that felt good. Glad we got the time we got with Khonshu. Finally, I had written this down in my notes, but I ended up backspacing on it. But after our conversation today where we talked about the way Steven is almost Mark's awareness and how that shows them growing together as a person... On that bus, one of the ads says something to the extent of reunite with your loved ones. And so now after that conversation, I love I love that. That has to mm-hmm. be intentional. So mm-hmm. just want to throw that out there. Heck yeah. I just want more Layla. That's really what I want too. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get more Layla next week mm-hmm. as well. So, well, yeah. Well, yeah, but thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It has been an absolute blast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No, this this I'm definitely all in on the show. I appreciate you reaching out. I I have folks to talk to when it comes to the MCU, but I know how knowledgeable you and Jude are. And I, I am honored that I can partake in such wonderful conversations. Yeah, well, the invitation is always open whenever you want to join back on. So we'll have to make for that sure. work in the future. Yeah, just let me know. And, you know, it just I will not be busy for you. I promise. <laughs> I oh, promise. Well, thank you. Yes, I will do my I will do my absolute best. I can't promise if it's, you know, going to be in Germany or Australian time, but one of these, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll I'll make it fine. work. We'll make, we'll make it work. Well, of course, if you want to keep up with Yubba and the work that they do, make sure you're following them on Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all at Yabba And of course, if you want to find a very easy, accessible way to click those, yabbadebba.com. And we'll link to those in the show notes as well. As far as this show goes, you can reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram or reach us on that cell phone number that will be in the show notes as well. And if you'd be so kind to leave us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate it, especially on Spotify, where they just implemented that system, which will help our discoverability. And if you want to join in the active community, there is a Discord link where you can come join other like-minded MCU fans as well as general pop culture fans to hang out with. I got to do that right now. Oh. Right now. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> well, there you go. You can you can come hang out with Yebba Deba as well. And of course, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Yebba, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. I love I love when talented actors really make some a character their own, like Robert Downey Jr. Like mm-hmm. when you look at Robert Downey Jr., it's always going to be Iron Man. Just like it's always going to be Tony Stark. And it's just, you know, I feel like somebody else could be 
Captain America. But like, how just, dare you? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> nobody can be America's ass. Nobody can be America. Nobody else can be America's ass, but somebody else could be Captain America. Um, so it's just like I feel like there's other people that could potentially play people, but when it came to Iron Man, it was just like, nope, it's Robert Downey Jr. That's it, RDJ, done and done, okay. done and done. I have to ask. This is this is a running bit we used to do whenever we first started having guests because yeah. Captain America is my favorite. Uh, Iron Man is Jude's favorite. Are you mm-hmm. Team Stark or Team uh, Steve Rogers in Civil War? <sighs> I'm, oh, I'm Team Stark in Civil War. Okay, this is so funny. I think you may be our first Team Stark guest, and it's the one Jude's not here for. <laughs> I'm a heel. I'm a tweener heel through and through, baby. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. Oh, man. So, Jude, when you hear this, it finally happened. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, because it, it was one of those, like, I didn't dislike both sides at right. all. Like, I, I, saw, I saw both of their arguments and when it came to things, but I, I just had a little extra empathy and a little extra connection with with team stark just a just a little oomph mm-hmm. so when it came to that but yeah 